0: Today, we're gonna continue a series that I began last week. We're titled, Engaging Evil. We know there's evil in the world today. There is no doubt about that. And understand this about evil. It has already engaged us. In this series, what we're trying to do is unmask evil for what it really is and see how Satan tries to work in our life and therefore create a strategy to resist his evil so that we can live the lives that we want to live. We want to live lives for Jesus Christ. We want to, we want to be lighthouses of hope in this world. Now, just to bring you up there, we, we know that Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against The spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In other words, there is an evil presence here. That evil presence is Satan. That evil presence is a third of the angels of heaven who joined Satan at some point in time in a rebellion against God. And they were cast from heaven to the earth. But that's what we wrestle again. We wrestle against those forces. You know, we think it's between each other and we think it's between nations and we think it's between political parties. But really, the source behind all that chaos is Satan. The Bible has many names for him, and we see his evil character in every one of those names. He's called the adversary, the enemy. Evil spirit, lying spirit, the tempter, angel of the bottomless pit, father of lies, murderer, old serpent, wicked one, and we can go on and on and on. Every biblical name portrays a character of absolute evil. He is evil to the core. Jesus said of him in John 10:10, the thief, another name for him, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That is his desire for every human being on the planet. We asked a question last week, why is Satan so benevolent towards us? Why does he have such, such hostile ill will to us? And we saw the answer to that question. We saw that at one point in time, as I just mentioned, Satan, who was created a magnificent angel of God, his name was Lucifer, And the name means son of the morning, like the sunrise. But he was so beautiful that it went to his head. And at some point, he staged a rebellion in heaven and somehow talked a third of the angels into joining his rebellion. And behind that rebellion was this attitude. He said, I will make myself the most high. I will ascend and I will usurp God's place in heaven. Now, we know that the scripture said we saw last week that there was war in heaven, and Michael, the archangel, a general of the angelic army, overthrew them, and they were cast from heaven to the earth. Sometime later on the earth, we know the story in Genesis about how Satan then approached Adam and Eve, Eve particularly, and said to them, you know, God said, you can't eat of any of this fruit in the garden. She said, no, we can eat of all the fruit of the garden. We just can't eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, listen, Eve, let me tell you what's really going on. God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to eat that fruit because if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. So basically that's what caused them to reach out and take that fruit. And eat it. They wanted their eyes opened. They wanted to be like God. Basically, they joined the same rebellion that Satan had originally waged against God in heaven. Of course, we know Satan's ultimate demise is recorded in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 10, says that ultimately he and all his demonic hosts will be thrown into the lake of fire, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And yet, for humanity, God has said this. Jesus said in the latter part of John 10.10, I have come that they, humanity, may have life and have it to the full. Where God gave no opportunity for repentance to Satan and the angels that rebelled against him, God responded to us totally different he responded us with opportunity with with the, with forgiveness with love with patience and so satan sees that and he's filled with fury revelation says he's cast to the earth and he is filled with fury Now, Satan's evil is not just directed at the world in general. What we have to understand is it's directed at every single one of us personally. He knows who you are, and he is active in your life. So today, let's talk about what is his design for you? What what is his purpose for you? What does he want to do to you, I'm gonna give you five things. The first one is, he wants to dismantle your devotion. That word devotion means the fate or state of being ardently dedicated and loyal, eager, zealous, support, or activity. In this case, we're talking about our devotion to God. He wants to dismantle our devotion to God. In the final book of the Bible, called the book of the Revelation, the, the starting part of the book gives a message to seven predominant churches of, of, of the early church of ancient times. And God has a message through John to each one of these churches. And the first message goes to the church at Ephesus. in, in Revelation chapter two, beginning in verse two, God says this to the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Wow. I mean, if we stop right there, we're going, yay, Ephesus. What a powerful church. What dedicated Christians. And yet through the inspiration of the Spirit, the message to this church, continues with this thought. Yet, in spite of all of that, he says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. In other words, the message to this church at Ephesus is you're doing church great. You've got a, a strong statement of faith. You've got powerful ministries. You recognize false teaching and you kick it out of the church. You endure hardship for my name. You persevere for my name. But the problem is, it's all religiosity. And we've lost our relationship, our love. You've lost your love for me. You're just doing it. You're going through the motions. You're doing church instead of enjoying relationship with me. See, that's Satan's intent. That's Satan's goal. He wants to dismantle our devotion. That word dismantle means to disconnect the pieces of. See, he's not out to destroy our devotion because he probably wouldn't be able to do that. But what he wants to do is he wants to just chip away at us. He wants to chip away at that devotion that we have to God. Do you remember when you first trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you you remember that experience? I've shared with you before, I did that when I was nine years old on Palm Sunday in 1963. And after the services, I went home that day and I still had my little suit and my bow tie on. That's how we dressed back in those days. And my mom tells me this story, I don't remember it. I've told you before how I had a big Bible under my arm and I was going out the front door and she said, whoa, 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 Pete, where are you going? And I said, well, I got to tell everyone in the neighborhood about Jesus. I got to tell them about Jesus. I got to get them saved, Mom. See, I was excited even at nine years old in the Lord, and my devotion was unquestioned. And yet, what does Satan try to do? Over time, he tries to destroy that devotion, he dips at it away. He tries to dismantle it. Not that it's ever gone, it's just not as strong as it once was. Satan wants to debase our demeanor. Our demeanor is our character. Our demeanor is our reputation. It's our place in life. And he wants to debase that. He wants to lower it in status. Remember Peter writes in First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, we as Christians are supposed to live an exemplary life. We're supposed to live a unique life. We shouldn't look like everybody else. We should look different. And we should have such a life of devotion to God and we should be known for people of character and purpose and integrity that when somebody at some point raises up and says, ah, oh, something this about that or something this about her, there'll be a lot of people saying, now you just wait a minute because I know her. I know him and that is not true about them. See, and that brings glory to God. Remember, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16 says, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. In other words, our purpose on earth until Jesus takes us home or Jesus comes back is to be God's representative. We're to be a fragrance of God. Wherever we go, people need to smell Jesus. Now, when they smell Jesus on us, some of us, Some of them are not gonna like that smell. It's gonna be the smell of death because it's the smell of eternal accountability. But to others, it's the smell of hope. It's the smell of love. It's a fragrance of God's passion and forgiveness for us. And see, Satan wants to debase that. He wants to take that away from us. He wants to compromise us. He he, he wants to to, to take us and, and, and turn us by dismantling our devotion so that we don't have status. We don't have a good reputation anymore. And you know where the starting place of debasing your demeanor is? It's inside you. That's where he starts. See, all of us are trying to live the Christian life. And all of us know that it's a very difficult lifestyle to live, isn't it? It's hard to live the Christian life day after day. Satan loves to fill our minds with thoughts that say, see, you're a loser. Who are you kidding? You're never going to be able to live this Christian life. Not you. Maybe those other people do, but but not you, see. And he tries to, to amplify our failures so that we think that we have no value to God and that God can't use us anymore. And that then spills over into our behavior to where now our devotion isn't what it used to be. It's dismantled. And now Satan can bring down our status, he can bring down our esteem, he can bring down our character and make us ineffective lights for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Third, he wants to decimate your dreams. He wants to decimate your dreams. That word decimate means to cause great destruction or harm. Jim Simbola, great pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, in New York City, in his book Fresh Faith, wrote this Take for example our very purpose for living. Satan loves snatching men and women on the streets of my city and your city, people who have potential and turning them into glassy-eyed wanderers through life with no goal from day to day. Asking themselves, what's the point? Just to make money, that's, that's all life is about? Just to have kids, really, that's all life is about? Why am I even living life? See, Satan likes to take that dream that God puts in every one of us because God creates us unique and God has a purpose for us and he likes to turn that dream into a nightmare. Dr. Norm Cousins, who was a a renowned peace builder in the world, received the UN Peace Medal. He received over 40 honorary doctorates. He was diagnosed at one point in his life with a very painful and terminal disease, and the doctors told him you have a one in 500 chance of surviving this, of being able to tolerate this disease. But instead of surrendering to the pessimism of the medical community at that time, he decided he was going to attack it. And so he began to take vitamins. He began to change his diet. But one thing he added, which he said he gave credit to to overcoming this, this malfunction in his life, this illness is life was every day he would watch films of the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and Marx and all these things, all these things to laugh. And he said when he would laugh and really have these deep belly laughs at these, at these comedies for 10 minutes a day, it would give him two hours of pain-free living. And he repeated it over and over and over again until ultimately from the time they had diagnosed him to the time he died was 26 years later. Of his experience, he said this, death is not the greatest loss in life. Now look what he says. The greatest loss is what dies inside us while we live. That's Satan at work. Satan wants to destroy the dream that God has put in us. He wants to destroy our relationship. He, he, he wants to destroy our hope. He wants us to think we have no purpose and no function. Think about Moses, great man of God. Moses had a special purpose, or God had a special purpose for Moses. And that was to deliver the children out of Egyptian bondage, but also to lead them into the promised land that God had promised Abraham and Isaac and their forefathers. And you remember the story. It's just filled with miracle after miracle of getting out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, then getting into the wilderness. But remember, the people constantly complain and bickered and just, just wore Moses down. And at one point, his devotion being dismantled a little, his demeanor being debased a little, he struck out at a rock that God had first told him to strike to bring water for the people in the wilderness, but the second time he just beat on it. And that rock was a symbol of Christ. And because of that lapse of self-discipline, God said, Moses, you're not gonna be able to lead the people into the promised land. I'll choose somebody else. God took him up on a mountain. He allowed him to see the promised land. But Satan, see, destroyed his dream of being the conqueror who led them into the promised land. Solomon, the successor to King David in Israel, who who was the king of Israel at, at, at the most prominent time in Israel's history, Kings and queens from other lands used to come and see the glory and splendor of Jerusalem and especially the temple that Solomon had built to God, Jehovah. As he was getting ready to take over the kingship from his his dad, who was a great king in himself, David, he prayed to God and God saw his humble heart and God came to him and said, Solomon, I'll give you one wish, anything you ask, I'll give you. And remember, Solomon wished for wisdom so that he could rule the people justly. And God gave him wisdom above any other man who has ever lived on the planet. He had it all. Money, never a problem. Education, he had the finest the world could offer at the time. Power, prestige, fame. Like I said, people from all around the world came to see his kingdom. And yet, Satan was active in his life. And because of decisions he made, he dismantled his his devotion. He decimated his dream. And we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, as the book opens up, Solomon writes at the end of his life, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Solomon died a dejected and broken man. Judas Iscariot one of the 12 that Jesus chose to be his disciples. Of all people living in the Middle East at that time, Judas was one of the people Jesus chose to be one of his original disciples. And like the other disciples, Judas had a dream. See, because he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but he believed that Jesus came to overthrow the Roman occupation and to catapult Israel into world dominance. But over time, see, Satan was active in his life. Dismantling his devotion, debasing his character, and ultimately decimating his dream. And we find him betraying the Savior of the world. And when he came to his senses of what he had done, he tried to give the money back and they wouldn't take it. He threw it onto the temple floor and he went out and he hung himself and his name has been infamous ever since. See, Satan wants to decimate our dreams. He wants to deplete your deposits. To deplete means to empty of a principal substance, of something that's really important, to lose something really important. And Satan wants you to lose something that's really important. Remember, Jesus instructed us in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 20. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, Jesus said, listen, don't live your life for this experience. Live your life for the life to come. We call that what? Preparation for eternity. That this life is about preparation for eternity. Living our life for the life to come. And Jesus said, listen, send some treasure ahead so that when you get to heaven, you're gonna have some treasure. You're gonna have some eternal rewards. Remember, Jesus says over and over again, I'm coming back and when I come, I'm bringing my reward with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Right, Jesus says? He wants to reward us. He wants to lavish rewards on us. And one day, we'll have that opportunity. One day, every one of us who are believers in Christ will go before the Bema judgment seat of God, which is a reward, like the Olympics, to be rewarded for our investment in the kingdom of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.13 through 15 describes it. He says, his work, my work, your work, will be shown for what it is, because the day, capitalized, that day of judgment, that day of reckoning, that day of reward, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's works. In other words, everything's going to be laid bare. There's going to be no hiding anything. There's going to be no excuse and everything. It's all going to be right there. But remember now, this is not a judgment for punishment. It's a judgment for reward. But God being holy and just will be just in the rewards that he gives us for eternity. The passage goes on to say, if what he has built, if the way we've lived our life survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but is only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, when we stand before Christ to receive our rewards, he will be just in the rewards he gives us. Our life will be examined, not for entrance to heaven, because our entrance to heaven is determined by one thing, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. But our rewards are determined by the way we live this life. So it says, when everything's revealed, and it's not God doing this and saying, you and you and you and I know your life. And I. It's, it's this, oh man, look what I got. I want to give it all to you. Now let me see if I can justifiably do that. See, Satan wants to, to rob us of that. He wants to deplete those deposits that we send ahead. But finally and foremost, and I'm thankful that this one won't pertain to the vast majority of people here today, At least I pray not, or I have done a really lousy job. The final thing that Satan wants to do is destroy your destiny. Really, that's a starting place. That's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy our destiny. Revelation 21, 27 says this about heaven. It says, nothing impure will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In other words, that person will suffer the same eternal fate of Satan and the rebellious angels. But the difference is not how good we are, the difference is if we've trusted how good Christ was and how loving Christ was. John 10.10, 10, what does Jesus say? He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. I've come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. And we're told in John 3.16-18 through 18 how we can have that life. 16, most of us can quote today, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, Jesus didn't come here to point fingers. Jesus didn't come here to throw stones. Jesus came to die on the cross so that we don't have to die. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, Satan wants to destroy our destiny. He doesn't get to spend eternal life with God. And he doesn't want anyone here to have that privilege. And the difference is not how much better I am than you or you than I. The difference is, what have we done with Jesus? Have we done, as Paul says, have we confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead? If so, we shall be saved. Saved what? Saved from that eternal consequence. So what are Satan's designs for you? He wants to dismantle your devotion piece by piece. He wants to debase your demeanor. He wants to decimate your dreams. He wants to deplete your deposits. He wants to destroy your destiny. So how's he gonna do all this? How does Satan intend to release his fury on you? See you next week. And we'll learn it. Listen. Satan's real. Don't kid yourself. This isn't some kind of Star Wars movie or game. He's real, and he's real evil, and he's filled with fury. But the good news is God is exactly the opposite. God is all about love. And here's the good news for those of you who have trusted Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The See? Amen? Greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. You are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Now, we just got to get you armed. We got to get you weaponized so that you can see the attacks of Satan and so that you can resist the attacks of Satan. Now we know what his design for us is, right? Next week, we're going to unmask how he does it. I hope you'll be back for that. You. If you're here today and you never trust that Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts because He wants to destroy your destiny. He does not want you to spend eternal life with Christ. And He's made salvation, God has made salvation simple to counter Satan's desire, and that is just faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, it's not of yourself. Not by works. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Just Trust Christ. Listen, if you're here today and you've never done that, don't leave in that condition. Come and see me, any of the pastors in these red shirts. Go to our next step booth on the patio. At least stop by and pick up one of these blue books on your way out at our guest services book or, or at our literature racks. It's called You Can Be Sure. It will walk you through what Scripture has revealed to us about how we can have our sins forgiven and heaven will be our home. They're free of charge. You don't even have to ask for it. You'll see it. Just take it and read it. If Spanish is your primary language, we have it in Spanish also. I thank you for being here today. And I want you to know how much God loves you. And I want you to know that you don't have to be controlled by this evil force. You are greater than this evil force. And God has given us ways to resist it. And we're going to learn those ways over the next couple weeks.